Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 101 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am thrilled that you're here with me today, spending this time. Today, we have a show that I've been saving for a little while. Uh, to use on a day where I needed to fill in. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a Facebook Live. It was my first Facebook Live. It was so fun. Now I know why people do those things. Um, people showed up and they asked questions, um, mostly about writing. However, there are quite a few questions about things like knitting and puppies and things like that. So um, it's more of a in-the-life-of-an-author kind of episode today. Uh, If you like me, you might be interested. If you really come here just for my interviews with uh, other folks, it is okay to tune away at this point and come back next week. I will not mind a bit. I won't even know. Uh, What's going on around here? The big news, very happy news for me, is that as of about six hours ago today, I sent off my thriller revisions to my editor. Um, I had a month to do them. They were so fun. I think I talked about it last week that just being in this stage of revision is my very, very, very favorite place to be. Um, And everything just fit together and everything got richer and deeper, like I talked about with Orna Ross. Um, It was just such a joy to work with these characters and their very last push out the door. Um, it'll come back to me again with copy edits and then again with page proofs, but this was the last big changing of things and making everything the way I wanted it. So it was bittersweet, honestly, to hit that, to hit that send button. It's kind of one of those things for me. I always have to just close my eyes and push the send button because I could keep working on it. I actually sent it a day early, which Believe me, has never happened before. Uh, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to run up right to the last minute, and if I have a Friday deadline, you know that really means Monday, right? Um, because I know my editor won't read it over the weekend. the The bad thing is, is that she probably will. That's when editors and agents read things is over the weekend. So I always ask if that's okay, um, and they always say yes. Send it on Monday. I've only asked. I asked for an extension once. I asked for a week because it was just a bad time in my life. And she gave me a month, which was fantastic. Uh, and I've never missed a deadline because in my world, that is unthinkable. That is just the thing I will not do. Now that I've said it, I bet I missed my next deadline. That would just go to show, wouldn't it? Uh, but yeah, a day early was fabulous. It felt great because I've got a lot to do tomorrow. I'm at the Writer's Workshop of San Francisco on Saturday which is a pretty new conference, I believe. And I'm looking forward to being there and presenting and talking with some writers about their work. And uh, that's all that's happening this week. Um, I would like to thank a couple of new patrons um, who I've already lost the piece of paper. Here it is. Uh, thanks to Kishua and Gladys Strickland for supporting. Thanks for being new patrons. Um, and I wanted to mention just one thing that a couple of people are utilizing right now at my Patreon. Don't gasp, but there is a $100 level. Uh, you get all the essays, you get all the things that come with that, the free books, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what people use that for 
is coaching with me. Uh, with, at the $100 level, you get 30 minutes with me and um, critique of 2,500 words of yours once a month. That's cheaper than my $150 tune-up. So um, that's pretty fun. If you want to look into that, you can go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And let's just jump right into the Facebook Live. It's a little bit longer than my podcasts are. I think the um, the live portion was... 35, 37 minutes, something like that. So I hope you enjoy and I'll see you here next week with another interview with Jessica Strasser, which you're really going to love. So happy writing to you, my friends. Get some words on the page. Tell me about it. Go to the newly set up webpage, howdoyouwrite.net and leave me a comment with what you think about these shows. Um, I get one star remote views on Amazon. I can take criticism. If you hate what I'm doing, let me know. If you'd like me to change something, let me know. I may or may not do it. It's my show. But I would love to hear what you like and what you don't like. How do you write.net? So, um, oh man, does that mean I need to like change my outro? <sighs> all right. Maybe I'll do that. You know how you get in a rut. I don't, I don't want to change all that stuff. But that's life. That's writing. And I'm rambling enough. Enjoy. Hey, writers, I've opened up some coaching slots. I'm not taking clients on a weekly basis right now as I'm working on my own books, but I am doing one-offs. I call them tune-ups. Tell me your plot problems and ask your character queries. Let me know what stumbling blocks you're up against. Get tips and tricks to get you back on the right track. Ask me questions about all things publishing. Together, we'll brainstorm your specific plan of action, making sure you're in the driver's seat of your book again. You'll receive a 30-minute call over Skype or FaceTime, giving you the honest encouragement you need to keep getting better. Or a polite ass-kicking if that's what you need and ask for. Plus, you'll get an MP3 audio recording or MP4 video, your choice of our chat, so you can re-listen at your leisure. And if you want a little more help, I can also critique either 10 pages or your book's outline and talk you through my findings. Just check out rachelherron.com slash coach for more info. I'd love to work with you. Now on to the interview. Hello, everybody. I'm Rachel Heron, and I am so happy to welcome you to uh, my very first ever Facebook Live. I um, am excited to see what this is like. I have no idea how it's going to go. So I'm going to kind of pretend to be doing a, well, not pretend because I, this is how I do it, to be doing a podcast um, and perhaps I'll use this as my next week's podcast. So, okay. But I've seen a few people have joined, <laughs> including my agent. Hello, Susanna. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I am, hi, Jessica Hansinger. Long time, no talk. So I would love to invite you guys to ask me absolutely anything that you want to ask about. <clears throat> you can ask about the writing life, you can ask about how to write, you can ask about uh, where I got my glasses, but I honestly don't remember. Um, basically anything at all. And either there will be a lot of people and I won't be able to keep up with comments, or there won't be any questions, in which case I will um, just blather on until I can respectfully hang up, which is probably like in two minutes. I bet somebody would allow me to do that. Um, but yeah, does anybody have a question at all? Hi, Toby Neal. Um, is in the house. Toby Neal is an amazing writer. I absolutely love her. And we are going to be doing our, <clears throat> excuse me, Pigeon Point um, budget 
retreat in September. Let me glance at my calendar. Uh, that is September 14th through the 16th, arriving the 13th, the night. Uh, so if you want to write from your heart and also get to work with Toby, who does this incredible um, work through, uh, Toby, help me out here, creative inspiration, finding that within your body um, with meditations and, and guided experiences. It's going to be fantastic, and there's still a few slots left, so you could do that. I'm not really doing this as a total commercial, um, but it's so nice to see that uh, Toby's here. So um, let's see. I thought I saw another question. Yvonne Miller says, are you still knitting? Girl, let's see. So I'm going to reach over here. Um, I'm doing this shawl right now, and this is, you know, of course, cashmere, because uh, why would it not be cashmere if I don't knit that much? It should be cashmere. Um, so this is the Shaylin pattern, S-H-A-E-L-Y-N, um, and it's fantastic. I've done it four or five times, and it's one of those that you really don't have to think about very much. I also always have here in my backpack, um, oh my gosh, and I have two sweaters on the needles. Uh, I can't find, actually, I'm, this is a sock I just completed uh, a couple days ago, and the second one is about halfway done, so here's just a nice, I think it's Regia or something like that. Um, so yes, I'm also working on a sweater and two blankets, so there's always something. Uh, what is the red brocade-ish thing over your right shoulder? Knitters are in the house, I can tell that. So the red brocade thing is just a box, it's a file folder, um, and the file folder holds all of my uh, circular needles by size. So it's fantastic. Toby clarifies aff affirmations and visualizations are what we're going to be working on with her at Pigeon Point. Uh, with me, we'll be doing some exercises and uh, working from our core and fantastic stuff. So thank you, Toby. Um, let's see. Oh, Helga Marie... Uh, Helga Marie, I'm not sure how to say your last name, Bry Fogel is what I'm going to attempt, says that um, I changed her life with YNAB. Can we talk about YNAB for just a second? This is nothing about writing. Um, but it is, YNAB is youneedabudget.com. If you'd followed me for any length of time at all, I wax rhapsodic about youneedabudget.com. I think it's a, it's a per month subscription, I believe. But before you push it back. It's not like Mint. It's not like Excel. It's not like, um, what's that other big, the one that everybody uses for, for money. You need a budget actually teaches you how money works. And I don't know how it does that. It just has you, uh, assign every dollar in your bank account to a job. And so suddenly when you do that, you suddenly realize where money is going. Uh, when I did it, I, I did it probably, I think I started about 2009 or 10, and we were almost $90,000 in debt, something like that. It was awful and terrifying. And by learning where our money went and by restricting what we were spending um, and by my awesome, helpful writing career, I was working two jobs at the time, we were able to dig our way out of that, but only because YNAB taught me um, I couldn't spend this, even though it was in the bank, it needed to be in the bank for this later. I was 40 years old and I couldn't, I didn't understand how money worked. Uh, I guess I was probably 38 or 39. Um, and now I know, for example, that um, these little critters, they're everywhere. There's one behind my back. There's, a, there's Clara, there's Dozy. Uh, they all cost 
about $100 a month. Each one of them are $100 a month over the course of a year. That's what I pay in um, vet bills, pet food. So now when I start to think about rescuing another animal, um, I don't because I don't want to add. Right now we have five animals. That's $500 a month on average. Sometimes we only spend $200 a month and then the next month we might spend $3,000. It just, uh, YNAB taught me that kind of budgeting. It's fantastic. I can't recommend it more. more. Uh, Helga Marie says they have paid off 31% of their debt. That is amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, let's see. Oh, Janice Kang says, how are the pups? Uh, oh, dare I do it? Should I? So um, on Saturday morning, I found a little dog uh, who was running wild in the neighborhood. And um, she was with her sister or her daughter or something like that. Uh, the other dog wouldn't let me get close to her. Um, the 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 one that I rescued is so loving and so wonderful and so cuddly and pretty skinny. She looked like she might have had babies in the past because she had, you know, the nipples going on, but no milk. And um and then my sister was taking care of her for a few days. We're kind of going back and forth in the foster care. And uh, Bethany texted me on Wednesday morning to say she's having babies right now. And I said, no, she isn't. We, we felt her. There were no babies. So she had two puppies. Um, I'm going to go get a puppy. Tell the people who come when I'm in the other room. Um, Mom is going to be mad, but she won't be mad for long. It's good for her. It's good for her. Stand by. Look. Here is, this is Athol. Not Athol. I know what you guys are thinking. Look at him. He's three days old. Look at his little, little darling spots. Oh my gosh. Are those not the most precious? <gasps> and his little freckle on his nose. So he was born on Athol Street and found on Iris Street. So this is Athol. The other one is Iris. I'm going to go put him back. Did you get the baby Athol yawn? Holy cow. I'll be right back. Mama was not even tripping. Mama was not tripping. She did not care. She's resting comfortably. So uh, that was fun. <laughs> um, let me scroll back and see. Uh, um, oh, Tani, my girl, Tani. Hi, Tani. Um, she says, ooh, how about tips for self-care regarding guilt for neglecting your craft or crafts when life doesn't permit time, energy, enthusiasm for it. Um, my darling Tani, I know that you already have the answer in your head the way you said that. Um, tips for self-care and forgiving yourself. You have to just forgive yourself. There is no way that we can get anything done when we are tired, when we are in pain, when we are sick. Um, this is something, and you know, that I'm always struggling with. Um, but I heard something really huge recently uh, on my other podcast, which is now called The Writer's Well. I used to co-host a podcast with Jay Thorne called The Pedal to the Metal. Nobody knew that that was a writer's podcast, um, obviously, because we were dumb and we named it The Pedal to the Metal. Um, so it is now called The Writer's Well podcast. And we had one of our listeners come into our comments and say that she has to remember on days when she's feeling 50%, she can only do 50%. She can only achieve 50% of what she wants to, which seems so simple and obvious, but it was completely mind blowing to me because 
when I feel, say, 75%, if I'm trying to fight off a migraine that day, when I'm feeling 75%, I try to give 120 or 150%, which I know is impossible, but you know what I mean. I try to over-deliver because I cannot, um, I can't give as much as I want to. Instead of just giving 75% or even better, maybe on a day I feel 75%, I only give 50% and save some for the next day. Um, forgiveness is key. And y'all know that I'm always working on that. I have a lot of guilt around, um, I'm either not working hard enough or I'm not resting enough. And no matter what, I'm kind of beating myself up. So I'm actively working on that right now just to accept myself in the place where I am. And I would like to say this to you, Tawny, my love, and um, everybody else who's listening. Right now, where you are, and I really mean this, and I don't mean to be cheesy, but right now where you are, you're enough. You're not doing anything wrong. You really, 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 really aren't. You are enough as you are. Um, you're exactly right. You're not right or wrong. You're in the right place, doing the right thing. You're enough. Stop beating yourself up. I'm saying this to myself. Um, so love you guys. So everybody's really freaking out over the puppy. How will I be able to part with all that puppy cuteness? A hundred dollars a month. That's how. Uh, I cannot afford to have another animal and pay six hundred dollars a month for pet care. So that was really a useful thing. See, Wineab, you need a budget. Is always saving my ass all the time. Excuse the swear. Um, but another thing that helps is that uh, little Molly, who is the mama, she looks a lot like our um, pup when I was a kid called Molly. So we sisters decided to name her little Molly. Uh, she, I'm allergic to her. It's terrible. I'm, I'm highly allergic to uh, labs, any kind of lab, especially a chocolate lab. Like I get hives and welts kind of allergic and apparently maybe to little fox terriers um it's not as bad as a lab but yeah it would not be comfortable for me to keep her anyway so i can't even though i want to um oh julie says the advice about the only doing 50 percent when you're 50 percent, or only doing 10 percent when you're having a 10 percent day is mind-blowing she says i can't believe it has never occurred to me before i couldn't believe it either. It's so obvious. And the other day I was fighting a migraine and I tested myself. I'm like, yeah, I feel about 50%. I'm going to do half of my words and go lie down. And it was great. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yes. Athol is making, um, Esther laugh. Uh, yes. And attempt the tips for managing money. Um, Lisa Bomble says, Oh my God, how did you know that I needed to hear that? Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you guys out there, you really are in just the right place. Even if you're like sneaking, looking at Facebook at work, that's not even sneaking people. We do it. Um, or even if you're just resting on the couch saying to yourself, I should get up and do something, do X, Y, Z instead of looking at Facebook. No, maybe looking at Facebook right now is your self care. Um, maybe laughing at what we're doing right now is our self-care. You could just got to see a little puppy. And if you weren't online for the puppy, you can come back later. I'll post this to my page. And um, he gave a little yawn. Little Ethel gave a tiny, tiny little yawn. So I might be caught up in um, questions. So is anybody else uh, <laughs> want to know any questions? Ruth Trisdale says, um, hey, Rachel, so exciting to know a celebrity. And I'm going to talk about Ruth for a second. She was one of my first bosses. I had had some minor jobs before, but um, when I was about 18, I applied to work at the bookstore where she was the manager and my mom worked there too. And I still have the resume that I gave her somewhere. And on the top, it said, um, too young. 
I may have found it in the files at work later. So when I was like 19, I reapplied. I really wanted to work at this small independent local bookstore in the little town where I was from. And I got hired and um, Ruth was so fun to work for. I am so glad that this interconnected world now lets us keep up with the people from our past. Um, because Ruth, you and I would have fallen out of contact. I didn't know where you were 15 years ago. I didn't know where you were. Um, except, you know, like every once in a while I'd hear uh, from the grapevine because Ruth's also involved in music, but, um, but, or was, I don't know if you are anymore. Uh, but then Facebook comes along and we're connected again. And that is so freaking cool. And that bookstore job was just it was how I got to know how books worked. It was how I got to know, you know, we, you call them strips. When you return books, you get a box of books, you put it on the shelves. If they don't sell, and we're talking like the mass market paperback size, um, if they don't sell, you rip the cover off, you send the cover back to the publisher, and they give you a refund um, because they get basically almost guaranteed you that you're going to sell those books. So you send them back. The author makes less money. Um, and then there were all these naked books everywhere you couldn't sell them you couldn't share them but uh, you're supposed to uh you know destroy or recycle them but of course we're bookstore employees and my mom was too so i know that downstairs in my dad's basement right now it's not only a basement it's the old garage um there are hundreds of stripped books we would just write in sharpie on the side what the book was and it's a free book and you get to keep it forever and it's just a coverless book um but i i was able to see how the book industry worked and how it was behind the scenes on the floor of the bookstore, you know, meeting, well, I never met with reps, but I, I would see the reps, the book, uh, the publishing reps meet with Ruth and talk about what books we should order that for the next season. Um, and it's, it's really cool that just to know that if that bookstore was still extant, which it is not, it closed, of course, when all the independents were failing, uh, luckily they're doing much better now. Um, but, uh, I would, I would like knowing that my books would, would be in there. So that's really cool. Um, <laughs> Jessica Hodensinger says that was not a tiny yawn. yawn. Um, let's see, uh, what advice would I give myself five months ago? Says Jackie Bittner. Um, boy, what advice would I give myself five months ago? Five months ago, ladies and gentlemen, I was kind of falling apart a little bit. I had just realized that um, I was not just drinking too much. I was, I'm not, I've talked about this on Facebook and everywhere else, but I was an active alcoholic. And um, the advice I would give myself since then, today is my five month birthday, coincidentally, of um, not drinking, of sobriety. Look, I got right here. Oh, well, you know, I'm not even gonna show it. I don't think I can show it. It's a secret society, people. Um, but, uh, but the advice I would have given myself five months ago is to be open to change because change change is coming right change is coming for all of us there's nothing static in life um and change is something that i really push back on every time lala says she wants to get her um haircut i'm like god no don't cut your hair and you know this is every six or eight weeks and then she comes home and her hair looks awesome and i'm like oh god i love the haircut but the thought of change is terrifying and the, honestly the thought of living a life without drinking when alcohol is everywhere was terrifying and uh and but i was open to change i was willing i was willing to attempt something really brave and scary and um 
And I'm so glad that I did. Jackie, I'm going to kick you later. Uh, loving you. Loving you. Um, ooh, a business question. Let's get into that. Let's get out of this scary, emotional. You know, I, you know, I love you guys. Um, and I love emotions. I just don't know how they work very well. I'm learning that in sobriety. Emotions can be stupid, right? Especially when you can't numb them. Ugh, you got to deal with them. Um, how does it work? Uh, my, my girl, Laura Jean. Laura Jean might want one of those puppies, I hear. Um, how does it work with authors and Kindle Unlimited and how they're paid? Um, let's see. Uh, so uh, she's going to take her question off the air since they're headed up to the mountain. Good for you. Um, so the the thing with authors and Kindle Unlimited, um, Kindle Unlimited is that subscription program that you can subscribe to through Amazon. And some traditional publishers will put their author's books into Kindle Unlimited and some self-published authors will put themselves into Kindle Unlimited. Uh, and then they get paid by the page read. They're not paid by the book. They're paid by the page that is read, so you get like a point oh 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 seven cents or something like that. I don't remember what the number is for each page that you read. The problem is, is that Amazon um, for self-published authors makes them be exclusive to Amazon. So honestly, for you guys and um, for my own mental health, uh, I I don't have anything in Kindle Unlimited. Everything I have is wide. All my self-published books and all my traditionally published books. Um, they that means they're on Kobo, they're on Barnes and Noble. Uh, they're on Google Play. They're on iBooks. Um, therefore, I don't get to be part of Kindle Unlimited. And the reason I do that is because I think Amazon is this behemoth wannabe monopoly, and they are the devil. And I do love them anyway. They pay a lot of my paycheck, right? And um, Prime now, when they bring the the, your groceries to you in two hours, I know. I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. But um, I don't want all my eggs in one basket. I don't want... Amazon to be the one company that's paying me money when they could turn around tomorrow and say, well, we're giving you 7% of your royalties tomorrow instead of 70. So um, that's that's what I do. But Kindle Unlimited does do well for authors. You are not hurting any authors. If you are in Kindle Unlimited, subscribe to it and you're reading, God bless, you're, you're paying the money. So that's, that's awesome. I'm just not in there. Uh, <laughs> Um, Alga Marie, you're on fire. Um, she says, my thoughts on cocky gate. So for all of you not in the author business, there's this thing that's been happening called cocky gate because uh, a writer named Felina Hopkins tried to trademark the word cocky. She had some like, I, I, and I'm not deep in the weeds on the knowledge of this whole ridiculous thing, but now I think, you know, cocky cocky man or his cocky brother or something like that were her titles and she was trying to trademark the word cocky in the font that she was choosing and she was trying to take um a word away from other people she did achieve the trademark before anybody noticed her doing it and then she went after some authors who had had cocky in their title long before she ever did and told them that she owned the trademark and they needed to take down their title or change their title. Um, she told people they were putting up books, they couldn't do it, that she owned the word cocky, which is so funny because when you think about it, this whole mess is about the word cocky. That's ridiculous. Um, but it's ridiculous about any kind of word. And in the science fiction um, atm atmosphere, in the science fiction genre, uh, somebody, was it revolution, I think? Um, they were trying to uh, trademark. That trademark didn't go through. Um, it might not have been Revolution, but it was something like that space-wise that nobody then would have been able to use. Um, it's deeply, so the Felina Hopkins thing is deeply 
in court right now. They are um, they're working with it, but basically uh, the judge allowed everybody to keep the word cocky in their title. Um, it's going to be in litigation for a long time, but the fact of the matter is that she's going to lose, and that's really good. Uh, you can copyright a one word like Coke if you're copywriting also the font and the color scheme. Um, and again, don't quote me on this. I'm not a lawyer. I do not know as much as people who are out there talking about it. Ha Google the hashtag Cockygate if you want more. It's really amusing. The court documents are some of the funniest court documents I've ever read. Um, but she wasn't doing that. And in fact, the font she used for Cocky was a font that does not allow itself to be copyrighted. Um, so the whole point of this, though, is trying to hurt other authors by removing something from their availability is just going to backfire. Um, there's no way that this could have ended up a good thing. So, uh, yeah, I do recommend going deep into um, into Cockygate. Deep into Cockygate. There. Oh, see, Helga Marie says, might have just wanted to hear you say cocky. I don't think I've ever said it that much on camera and definitely not on the air. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, trademarks are a double-edged sword, Janice says. Yeah, and you can't copyright a title, by the way. Um, there could be four books called The Lost Love. Like, <laughs> the Lost Love, there's probably 50 books called that. There, you can't copyright a title, but you can trademark a phrase or a word in a specific font. Um, give me some more questions here, people. Uh, Cheryl, I already answered when I'm, I'm already knitting, but you can go back in the, um, in the replay if you want to see. I've got... I've got knitting surrounding me and I did not plan to answer that question. It is just something that, you know me, I've always been a knitter. I'm always going to be a knitter. I like it when the knitters in my life, you guys get concerned. Um, and it's darling and precious to me because you, you're worried that I'm writing too much and that I'm not knitting enough. I will always be knitting enough. Believe me, I can't think without. You know how people say that um, knitting is like uh, a meditation. It's a it's meditative to them. It's not meditative to me. It does not calm me down. It's and it doesn't hype me up. I just came this way. Um, but it it's like breathing. It's it's like air to me. Spinning um, when I spin wool, that's meditative. Um, that puts me kind of in the trance, and and I can really get into it. But but knitting is just something that my fingers do, and it's and it's like breathing. Uh, what was I gonna say? I can't remember. Yeah, but I will never ever give up knitting until they take these hands off my body, and then I would figure out how another way to do it. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Helga Marie's cracking up. Um, oh, uh, some, now it's scrolling. <laughs> Rekka J says, I'm worried you're knitting too much and not writing enough. That is always true. Um, yeah, I could always be writing more. Writing is hard, y'all. It is, it is not fun. Revision is fun. First drafts are not fun. Um, so uh, Jana says, so if uh, Felina Hopkins chooses a different font and design, she can try again? Yes, I believe she could. She... Um, but she would not be able to prevent, she will never be able to pre prevent other authors from using the word cocky. You guys are, you guys are making me say it over and over again. Um, ever again, like she will be able someday perhaps to prevent authors from using the word cocky in their titles in her font and shape and color scheme. That is what everybody believes will happen. Uh, who knows? 
courts all over the world are losing their minds. Um, so uh, Helga Marie says, give us more Abigail and Cade. Abigail and Cade were in my first uh, romance. Um, 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 how to knit a love song. I almost forgot the title of that. I still love them. Lisa Bomble says, I miss the knitting and the songbirds booked, but binge them anyway. I miss the knitting and the songbirds books too. Um, but knitting in a way narrowed the attraction of those books. Uh, but that's not to say I'm, I'm never going to write knitting romance again because I really, really love writing it. Uh, let's see. Oh, Cheryl Cohen says, I'm knitting while watching, listening to you. That's fantastic. Um, Yvonne Miller says, you made some uh, cute dresses a while back. Are you still sewing? No, I am not still sewing. I, um, I actually went and found some cute patterns recently and bought some amazing uh, fabric and actually cut out the pieces. And I don't know, I'm scared of my sewing machine. It's happened. Um, uh, maybe three or four years ago, I bought a cheap but nicer sewing machine than I'd ever had before. And I gave my old crappy sewing machine to my little sister because that's what big sisters do to little sisters. Just give them the old crappy stuff. Love you. Um, and I have never gotten the hang of using this fancy sewing machine. It scares me. Uh, so I have not. I've gotten the pieces. They're right in the living room. They're like next to the dining table, ready to be sewn into the cutest little dress. Um, and I haven't done it. So maybe asking that will spur me into doing that. Sewing seems to be kind of a summer thing for me, obviously, because it gets really hot in this house. Um, knitting is a little bit more uncomfortable, but I do it anyway. And so maybe I'll maybe I'll take it up again. I was using my serger for a while, and I was loving using a serger. I don't remember how to thread that thing. It's just a fear thing, right? It's the same kind of thing that happens. Um, in writing, like when we're trying, when we want to write something and we want to sit down and do it or any kind of crafty pursuit, any kind of, uh, of heart project, we get scared. We get scared by the commitment we have to make to sit down, pull out the laptop, pull out the notebook. Maybe you haven't looked at the story in a long time. So we get scared of it and we don't do it. That's the way I feel about the sewing machine. Um, but for me, it's really easy for me to let the sewing machine go and knit and watch the Americans, which I'm only on season five. So it's fantastic. Uh, Yvonne says the machine is not the boss of you. It is not. Oh, sometimes it is. Sometimes it actually is. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, Julie says, I want to hear the Riley stuff because that's super important. But can I just point out that your eyelash situation is legit girl. I'm also sweating like a mofo because it is like 90 degrees in here. But look at the eyelashes, okay? Um, that is Thrive Cosmetics. Uh, they're, they're lashes. They're, it's incredible. These are not extensions. These are just my eyelashes with some fantastic mascara. Thank you. Um, somebody else asked a, uh, a writing question. I want to address that. Edward, my friend Edward, um, says, what is the next nonfiction project? what is the next nonfiction project? I just actually had to remind myself. So I have this Patreon campaign um, in which I write essays. And after I do this revision of a book that I'm going to start doing on Monday, let me take a sip of water. Thank you. Um, I'm going to, basically my agent and I are working on pulling together a package that we can send out of a collection of these essays on living the creative life. We want them to be cohesive, so I need to do a little bit of work on that editing. But those um, essays are all done, and I'm proud of them. So that will hopefully be out there before too much time has elapsed. Um, and in terms of um, other nonfiction, Fast Draft Your Memoir came out in January or February. I can't remember. And um, that's been selling well. And I've been getting a really, really good response to that. And I loved writing about writing. I love 
thinking about writing. I love teaching writing. Um, so I really think that the next two books, you're hearing it here first, the next two nonfiction books like Fast Draft Your Memoir um, are going to be basically how to write a novel and how to revise a novel. The how to revise a novel is something I'm really excited about because you know that I am I am a junkie for revision. I absolutely love revision and it's it's just my favorite place to be. And so many people come to me and say, I, you are a crazy person. I don't understand how you do it. And I talk about it a lot, but I don't often say how to do it. There was a real long chapter in Fast Draft Your Memoir about revision for any kind of writing. You don't have to be writing a memoir, so you could grab that book um, and find out what I think about revision. But I know that I have a ton more to say about revision, and I have a ton to say about how to plot a novel, how Rachel does it. There are a million books on how to plot your novel. We're all talking about the same kind of story structure. We're all talking about the generic three-act the th uh, three act structure. Um, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Books generally have to follow that, uh, unless you are some brilliant 0.00001% of a person who can break all narrative structure, get away with it, and be commercially successful, which you aren't. I'm sorry, but you're not. I am not. Nobody, uh, nobody we know in this lifetime is going to be that person. So you need to follow that kind of narrative structure. But um, it can be learned in different ways, and everybody... Every book I read on craft, I take something else out of and apply to my arsenal of writing tools. And so I'd like to share that with more people. So those are probably going to be my next nonfiction um, projects, but you never know. Um, my agent, if she's still here, Susanna is always used to me coming to her like on a monthly basis. I got a new idea for a book. Let's do this. And I get really heated up about it. And then, you know, it either goes somewhere or it doesn't. You never know. Uh, let's see. Do I think, uh, Cheryl says, do I think a rescue dog will be in a future book? Rescue dogs are always in my books. Dozy is actually in, which book is it? Does anybody know? It might be the second songbird book or the third songbird book. It might be the songbird sisters. It might be Lana's story. I, can't, I literally can't remember, but that little, little mop of a dog, um, that, that our heroine finds that's dozy because I had just found her not that long before and she's my little love she actually showed up so little Molly who just had the puppies showed up two blocks down our street and um, dozy showed up on our front lawn that's where she came so uh, these these dogs just come to me um, let's see what's the audible process like do I get to select the narrator and what is the level of participation in the production what a great question um, if for my traditionally published books, which means the ones that are published with big publishers like you know Penguin or HarperCollins or things like that, I, I get very little say in either um, if they produce them. Basically, they buy the rights to produce the audiobooks, but sometimes they don't always exercise those rights. So um, the last three books, the, the mainstream ones, Pack Up the Moon, Splinters of Light, and The Ones Who Matter Most from Penguin, they didn't exercise the option to go into audio, so I cannot do it. I can't put them into audio, and they're not doing it, so there are no audiobooks for that. So that, that's kind of a bummer. Um, but when they do exercise those rights, they, they, uh, their, their subcontracting um, audio company will choose the narrators, but a lot of times I've had say in them. They'll send me like, you know, three women's voices and say, which ones do you like? I don't know if my saying that I like this one uh, actually affects anything, but it seems to. And so then I get that choice, uh, um, which is cool. I cannot listen though to my audiobooks. There is nothing more uncomfortable than listening to a sex scene that you wrote being read in somebody else's voice. It is 
literally, I almost crashed my car the time I tried and I got two minutes into it and I could not, could not, I just do not listen. Um, ever. But for some of my self-published romance, I have hired that out. I got the incredible Exie Sands, um, who narrates for uh, Kristen Higgins and for Julia Blackwell. Um, she did the Darling Songbird trilogy, and they're amazing. And if you want audiobooks that are fantastic, go listen to those. Um, so, And then that, I got complete control in the hiring process because it was a self-published book. Um, I paid Exie out of pocket, I will never recoup that money, but I like that, you know, over the course of the life of those books, those, they will always be available on audio. And I just love the way she does them. I'm still not going to listen to them. I listen to samples, but I cannot listen to the sex parts. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, Nancy Roberts. Hi, Nancy. Uh, dyer extraordinaire and a machine knitter. Um, she says, as a dyer, I was surprised to learn that you can trademark a color. Um, E.g. UPS trademarked the brown color of his trucks. <laughs> Why would you pay money to trademark that color? I don't know, but it works, right? Um, the UPS hand carts in Venice, you know, bumping up and down the stairs there, uh, are the same brown. One time, I swear this is the honest God's truth, I saw a UPS boat that looked just like one of the vans, a square box. I've never seen it again in all my trips to Venice, but I know that I saw it, and it was in that brown. Um, Pam uh, Brandsdorfer says, Go America, it's the best show ever. Hope you're loving it. I am loving it. It's a little too close to for comfort right now with all the Russian crap but um it is so good and i love those actors and i also love that they're in love in person so every time they make out i'm like that is real that is sexual attraction right there we are getting more sassy than i usually do on my podcast um oh yeah Rekka says my editor tells me the standard three-act structure is very western and other cultures may have their own structures and now i want to study that it is very very true we all understand the three-act western structure because we were raised born brought up in western civilization we come from the aristotle and the and uh, shakespeare's plays um we have it in our bones we know when it works and when it doesn't work even if we're not writers um if you go to a movie and you don't you hate it it's just like oh God, I hated that ending. It's because they kind of blew that last third section, um, even though you can't quite articulate that. But yeah, other cultures have very, very different structures. Um, studying, and I think would be fascinating, actually writing a book in another structure would be very risky. I think you might, in order to sell it to an appreciative Western audience, um, you may have to do some massaging to get it into the app structure, but that would be a, uh, that's an article I would really like to read about. So if anybody knows about that, that's great. Um, do you feel your writing has improved or gone faster now that you're not writing at a cafe? Christian says, Whew. um, no, 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 <laughs> I wish it had. I'm writing a lot more at home now cause I'm cheap. Um, and right now Mills is in summer session. So, uh, the college where I usually work in the library, um, their library hours are there, but they're usually in the afternoon and I do my best work in the morning. So I've been writing a lot more at home. Um, I don't think it improves. I think it really, my writing just does better when I have my headphones in and I'm blocking out the world and I'm able to look up at things like right now. I can't look up at anything. I'm looking at my my real top desk, which is an amazing thing to look at. Um, but my writing does improve the more I write. That's the more, the more books I write, the, the better my writing is and the more I know about the industry and my craft. So that's something that is always going to be happening. I hope my goal is always for my next book to be better than the one before it. And I don't care if anybody else agrees with me. Well, I do of course, but, um, but if reviews suddenly said this book wasn't as good as her fourth book, 
I would, I would be okay with that as long as I knew that it was the best I could do. And it was better than I could have done back then. Um, and Tawny says it was in the third songbird book. So the songbird sisters is where Dozy makes an appearance. Um, Oh, Rekha says, yeah, I don't want to appropriate. I just want to learn more. I am totally on your page. Learning more cannot hurt. Um, I think, though, I might wrap this up because it's already been almost 40 minutes. And I think a couple of you have been with me since the very beginning. That's awesome and amazing. Is there anything anybody wants to just shoot into the message box before I hang up on you all? Thank you so much for making my first Facebook Live event um, happen. I thought I might just sit here by myself. And um, I didn't. So I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you for um, being along on the ride. Some of you have been on this ride um, for a very long time, like since the beginning. I started my blog in 2002, yeah, and then I moved over to TypePad in 2003. So that's, I don't know how many years, 16 years, and some of you have been around a really long time, and I really, really appreciate you. Um, I'm glad that we're all friends. Um, <laughs> Christian shouting at me, what are you knitting? But her caps lock was on. Uh, Christian, I already answered it, so you can look at the replay. Um, Jessica says, you're lovely. Jessica, you're lovely. Uh, Lisa says, love you. Midnight here, so night, night. Good night. Um, love all of you guys. Thanks for being here. This was really, really fun. And I'm going to sign off because now I'm getting bashful. So um, thanks. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.